Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Okay, pretty okay. We're hanging in there. How about this? The Lord is good. And that is enough. I can't look at Angela right now. We'll get through this. Um, so, quick announcement about the ladies' cafe. There are uh, there is going to be childcare offered this year. Um, so, if you're a, a younger lady that has some kiddos at home and maybe coming out on a Wednesday evening is kind of difficult, um, my daughter and I think some other people might be willing to help uh, with some childcare. So, you know, it's just if you're interested, don't let that be a hurdle. Uh, we wanted to provide an opportunity for you to still come and participate. All right, so you probably can already tell uh, this sermon may just be for me today uh, as I was preparing this week. Um, there's been kind of a fog over my, my mind and heart in the last few weeks. Um, since the end of November, we've had four uh, folks from our, our church family um, or close to our church family go through uh, passing away. And so I've had several funerals and things like that. Um, and there's rejoicing when someone who is in the Lord goes home, uh, but it's still been kind of heavy. And then especially for our family, um, if you're on our prayer chain, you know that... Um, Someone that we love very dearly is soon ready to go home to Jesus. So the word of God has been a balm for my soul this week. On one hand, there is hurting over the loss that death brings. And on the other hand, is the anchor for my soul, the Lord Jesus Christ who is the author and finisher of our faith. And so it was definitely in the providence of God this week. In fact, I was writing my sermon on Thursday, and Angela mentioned, you know, she said she was at work and just kind of staying busy, and I said, oh, I'm a hot mess over here. But I just found as I was preparing, God was speaking in such a clear way. Um, and I, I pray that it's a blessing to you because while this might just be for me, I can't imagine I'm the only one that needs the assurity of these words today. If you can remember, clear back in November of 2022, we were spending time in the book of Jude. Seems like a long time ago since we last looked at these words. It's been a few weeks, and so I just want to give you a brief summary of where we've been, because the words that we're going to look at to finish up this book uh, are built upon the truths that Jude has been laying out all throughout it. Remember, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. He's the brother of James, and he wrote a letter to fellow believers who were facing a serious problem in their community, the community of faith. False teachers, as he says, have crept in unnoticed. They, they kind of snuck in 
and, and they were sitting next to the people who were of the faith. And, and, and this was a cause of concern for Jude, who was a follower of Jesus and was concerned about the purity of doctrine, because without purity of doctrine, there can be all sorts of serious errors that accompany um, a faith that is not rooted in the surety of the gospel. And as these false teachers crept in unnoticed, they were seeking to shipwreck the faith of the beloved. And so Jude skillfully pointed out their error all throughout this letter by bringing our attention through the Old Testament examples. He, he, he brought us back to um, Cain and the flood and uh, he brought us to Moses and the wilderness and all these places where these Jewish Christians would have said, all right, I know those stories. I remember what was said. And he encourages them to see the swift judgment that awaits false teachers for denying the faith and leading people astray. These false teachers were building kingdoms unto themselves. They were not building their ministries on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And so Jude writes to them to contend earnestly, to fight for the faith. And we do so by remembering the words of the apostles. And we build ourselves up in the most holy faith by keeping ourselves in the love of God as we wait anxiously for the return of Jesus. The very first few verses of Jude set a tone for who he's writing to. If you remember in verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Jude wrote this letter to people that are called, beloved, and kept. The dear ones, the saints of God, and he calls them to action, to be proactive, to guard the faith, to guard the gospel, and to plan our lives on the surety of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you remember, This letter of warning wasn't really supposed to be a letter of warning. In in these first few verses, right? In verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation. Like, that's what he wanted to write about. Our common salvation. The beauty of the gospel. The amazing story of God's redemption through his son, Jesus. And it was to be an encouragement and to breathe fresh wind into the lives of, of his readers. He wanted to write about the common salvation that we all enjoy in Christ. But there was this burden inside of him, worrying and, 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 and just wondering what was happening in this fellowship as news had gotten back to him that the false teachers had crept in. And he was saying, listen, I have to, I have to shift my focus. I have to draw our attention to what's going on here so that you can guard yourself. But in the closing verses that we're going to look at, Jude returns to his common desire to share about this salvation that is so wonderful. 
And these final two verses in Jude's letter form what we call a benediction, a song of praise. One commentator noted on these two verses that this concluding doxology is universally recognized as one of the fullest and most beautiful in all of Scripture. Stressing the security of the believer in the midst of apostasy, it brings the epistle to a marvelous conclusion. It's the truth of this benediction that has been a source of great comfort for me this week. And I trust that as a child of God, one who is called, beloved, and kept, that you find comfort as well. And if we're honest, and I hope we are, we are either a people coming out of tragedy, facing it, or soon entering it. We need these words. Sin has fractured and broken the beauty of God's creation, and yet in the midst of all of that brokenness, God promises that we are already victorious. Broken world, victorious Savior. And we hold on to Him. And so hear the Word of God. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Say it with me. Amen. Do you hear the victory in Jude's words? Do you hear his implicit trust? Do you hear the confidence as he is writing this letter and wrapping up all of these thoughts. And, I, and when I say all these thoughts, it's a short letter, but he's taken us many places. And as he finishes everything up for the saints that he's writing to, to guard the faith, I, I can just imagine him kind of at the edge of his seat, like pouring his heart into this letter. And when he writes this closing doxology, this song of praise... I can just imagine like he is overflowing with praise as he's writing these things out. And he might even likely, and this is just Pastor Todd's thought on this, that don't, don't die on this cross, but that he's singing it out loud as he's writing it. So let's dig in. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Listen, I'm not going to bury the lead for you. I'm going to tell you everything he's saying right here. You might, you might want to write this in the margin next to your Bible. But it's this simple statement. Our confidence rests in God's ability. Our confidence rests in God's ability. Jude's assurance comes not from his ability to withstand nor his ability to perform. It's not how good he is as a follower of Christ. It's not like he has everything figured out. It's not like he, he has the power inside of him to endure and withstand and to hold on. It's that Jude knows in his heart that the power of the gospel 
is the only power that can sustain his life. The surety of his Savior who is victorious over sin and death. The Son of God. Messiah. He is the one that holds our lives in his hands. His assurance is on the, based on the full sufficiency of God himself. Now to him who is able... Now, that word able in the Greek language is, root, is rooted in a Greek word for power. And you may have heard me talk about this word from time to time. The word power in the Greek language is dynamos, where we get the English word dynamite. God's ability to hold us, to keep us from stumbling. And the word stumble is not just tripping, but also losing our balance that leads to a fall. God's ability is rooted in his power to keep us standing. When everything in this world wants to trip us up and wants us to fall on our face and wants us to be distracted in our faith. The tragedy is that we we do witness great falls in the faith. We know people that go through seasons of time where their faith is weak and they struggle and they possibly even deny the faith. Jude is not saying that we will never stumble in the flesh, but what Jude is saying is that while we will stumble in the flesh, we will never fall in our faith because the same God who called, remember, We are the ones who are called, beloved, and kept. The same God who calls us is the one who keeps us from falling. Now, what does that tell me? That God's love for me is so powerful and so strong that he is securing for me that I will make it to the end to be with him forever. And that even in spite of myself, he's going to hold me and he's going to bring me close and he's never going to let go. We read all throughout the New Testament examples of God's ability. Let me just share a few of them with you. Hebrews 7.25, God is able to save Therefore, we read, he is able to save forever those who draw near to him through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. God is able to establish, Romans sixteen twenty five. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, God is able to assist, Hebrews 2.18, for for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. In Philippians 3.21, God is able to subdue. We read in Philippians 3.21, Paul writes, God will transform the body of our humble state in the conformity with the body of his glory. 
by the exertion of the power, which is the same word as ability, that he has even to subject all things to himself. God is able. I know I need that reminder from time to time. When it seems like, God, what are you doing? God, are you doing something? God, I don't see a way. God, I don't understand. God is able. And what is he able to do? He is able specifically in Hebrews 24 to keep us from stumbling. There's a story that was told about the uh, famous acrobat Philippe Petit. Do you know who that guy is? You've probably seen the picture of him. He's the guy that walked on the tightrope between the Twin Towers in New York City. Did you ever see that photo? So one day, this man was rehearsing for one of his exhibitions in an auditorium in St. Petersburg, Florida, when he fell about 30 feet to a concrete floor. And according to the witnesses, Petit rolled over on his stomach, began pounding the floor with his fists, and cried, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I don't ever fall. But for the mature Christian, we think differently. We all know that we are capable of falling. Therefore, hearing the promising words, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, our hearts rise with hope that with God's ability, we will finish well. To him who is able to keep us from stumbling strengthens our resolve to remain in Christ. Our inability to stumble is rooted in God's ability to keep. And that word keep means to guard and protect. Listen, you are so precious to God that he will do everything in his amazing power to keep you in him. How much power does God have? All of it. What can God do? Anything. He is able to keep you. And this person who is kept and protected by God is the one who is able to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. Those who are kept can stand in the presence of Him. In His glory, blameless with great joy. Jude is not teaching that God makes us perfect here. No, He keeps us from stumbling so that we can stand in His presence. And He does so by making us blameless. Now, a note on this word blameless. Blameless doesn't mean without sin. It means that there is no justifiable grounds for accusation. If you're honest with yourself, are you a blameless person? No. I know I'm not. I know I have sin in my life. I know that if it was up to me to stand before a holy God, I know that he would have every right to say, get out of my presence, you wicked sinner. 
But now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us into his presence with great joy, blameless. It's all him. And it's all Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, who laid down his life on the cross to bear our sin so that we can bear his righteousness, that this holy God can look at these sinners and say, you are no longer a sinner, but you are a saint and my son. And it's in Christ and in Christ alone that we can stand blameless before the throne of grace with great confidence, with great joy. There is no fear for the believer to worry about what's going to happen at the end of their life. Because Jesus Christ has made it sure that every child of God who is called, beloved, and kept will stand there in the presence of God with joy in their heart for the love and kindness of their Savior. In our loss, our hearts are heavy. But for the beloved of God, there is only joy. But we don't just wait for heaven to experience the truth of this verse. Every Christian ought to have this appetite for God to be presented before the presence of His glory. Unfortunately and tragically, this exalted promise that thunders from the mouth of Jude through his pen to the letter is often met with apathy and indifference. I mean, when you read this benediction, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Like, when we read it, I can't help but say, praise God. But then there are these moments in my life that I walk through and I'm thinking, God, where are you? And I forget. We go through these seasons when trials and temptations and pain and hurt overwhelm us. And it creates apathy in our hearts. And indifference. We don't satisfy ourselves in the presence of God every day. And we don't run to Him and His Word for nourishment for our souls, and we let the waves of life beat against us, and we forget. And Jude is saying, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget His goodness. His goodness in this season of our lives as a family is what keep, is keeping us afloat. But we forget. There was a story uh, that I came across that fits wonderfully into this. Happened a long time ago. I, I'm, a, I'm hoping that this is an absolute true story, but it does get the point. There was a guy that walked a couple hundred miles from his home to visit Niagara Falls for the first time. And when he came just a few miles before he got to the falls... He thought he heard a thundering roar. And so he saw a farmer working in a nearby field. 
And he called out, is that the roar of the Niagara? And the man replied, I don't know, but it may be. And with surprise, the man asked, do you live here? And the farmer responded, born and bred. And the man replied, you don't know the sound of the falls? And he says, no, I've never been there. I'm too busy looking after my farm. May it never be true of us that we forget, that we can't not hear the joy and glory of God and see it in our lives. In verse 25, this closing line of this great benediction, Jude answers to us how this is all possible. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before Him with joy. And He does it through His Son. It's only through His Son. You may want to double underline that phrase. You may want to remind yourself of this and... um, Just find a way to keep it in front of you. And when you glance at it, remind yourself that all that you are and all that you have that will last forever is only found through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's it. And it's enough. Jesus plus nothing. Jude draws our attention to some characteristics of our Lord. He says, be glory. Glory is a reference to the radiance of God, the essence of God, the beauty of God, His majesty, which is His transcendence, His dominion, which is His absolute power, and His authority, which is His freedom of action. He draws our attention to this glorious majestic, absolutely sovereign and powerful, able to do anything God, and says to Him, to Him we give thanks and to Him alone. Jude doesn't just mention truths about God. He shares them as they're erupting from his heart. As a confident song of praise about the reality of who God is. Listen, you can't write a letter like this if you don't know who God truly is. You can't sing songs like we sing on a Sunday morning with thankfulness and praise unless you know who God truly is. You can't walk through the valley of the shadow of death without knowing who God truly is, knowing that it's His hand that holds us and supports us. And when we get to heaven and we are presented before Him, blameless, and we have great joy in our hearts, God is going to be our song forever. And we will sing His praises for the rest of time.
And so can you see how these verses became a lighthouse for this guy? That through the fog of loss and grief, God shines into our hearts with the hope of the gospel. Especially when we cannot find the shore. Our God is perfectly sufficient to hold us when we cannot stand. He's the good shepherd who carries us when we cannot stand. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, we read these words, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Church, no matter what you are going through, or what you will go through, or what you have been through, God will surely help you. He will surely lift you up. He will surely keep you from stumbling because He is more than able. Let's pray.